Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Coming up in this week's episode... La diferencia entre vosotros y nosotros es que vosotros no tenéis límite. Tú y toda tu familia sois un pecado, una enfermedad. <laughs> Isaac Ferris, star of Gigantes, and showrunner Miguel Barros discuss their new movie star drama set in the criminal underworld of Madrid. Dieses Boot ist neu. Wir werden es testen. Vor allem aber wird es uns testen. Rick Ocon and Tom Vlasher, stars of Das Boat, tell us about the new big-budget Sky Germany drama inspired by the classic Second World War movie. And... The finalists have been announced in the prestigious 2018 C21 Drama Awards, taking place as part of our annual Content London Conference later this month. More on all these in a moment, but first, a rundown of some of the news from C21 Media this week. Netflix announced 17 original series in development in Asia, spanning Japan, Taiwan, Thailand, India and South Korea, as the US streamer seeks to cement its position as the world's leading video-on-demand provider. The company also unveiled a string of new animated series and revealed that 60% of its 137 million members around the world watch kids and family content every month. The European Commission approved Disney's $71.3 billion takeover of 21st Century Fox, on condition that the company divests its interests in A&E television networks channels in Europe, including history, crime and investigation, and Lifetime. Meanwhile, National Geographic promoted three executives ahead of becoming part of Disney through that same 21st Century Fox acquisition. Courtney Monroe was up to head of National Geographic Global Networks. Jeff Daniels became executive VP of Global Unscripted Entertainment, while Carolyn Bernstein expanded her global scripted content remit to include documentary features. Facebook said it was partnering with Fremantle to roll out a new game show format called Confetti in five territories, starting with the UK. Hulu ordered a 10-episode drama executive produced by Hollywood star Margot Robbie. Dollface comes from Disney's ABC Signature Studios, with Kat Dennings of Two Broke Girls also exec producing, alongside creator Jordan Weiss and writer Matt Spicer. Finally, it was a case of no deal for Endemol Shine Group. Co-owners 21st Century Fox and Apollo Global Management called off the sale of the production and distribution giant behind series including Big Brother, Deal or No Deal, MasterChef, The Bridge and Peaky Blinders. Endemol Shine hired two banks in June to explore a potential sale of the business, but despite interest from the likes of all three media, Banerjee, Fremantle, ITV and Endeavour, no deal could be reached and the company is off the block. C21 International Editor Richard Middleton has been following the story and he joins me now. Richard, what's going on? Well, it's worth rewinding probably 20 years or so just to sort of get the full take on this one. It goes back to John DeMol and Endemol, obviously his company, the companies he said behind uh, Big Brother and, and a whole range of formats. Telefonica initially bought Endemol back in 2000 for about $6 billion and it was always seen as quite a costly purchase 
purchase. Telefonica started selling its stake down from 2005 through to 2007, eventually exiting when Mediaset CERT, which is the private equity company owned by, by John DeMole, and Goldman Sachs got hold of it. Unfortunately for them, 2007-2008 brought us the financial crisis and the, the deal, which had been financed by a lot of debt, suddenly became a lot harder to support. So one of the lenders was Apollo Global Management and it faced with this scenario it decided to change a lot of the debt into equity in in Endemol. Then we sort of look at sort of 2012 and Apollo continued to extend its stake and 2014 Endemol merged with Shine and Core Media to form Endemol Shine Group as we know it today. But the critical moment I guess came when Disney announced that it was acquiring 21st Century Fox. 21st Century Fox through its ownership of Shine ended up holding a 50% stake of Endemol Shine as well. Disney wasn't particularly keen it seems to hold on to that stake. At that point also Apollo was exploring its interest in the company and whether that was something that it wanted to maintain as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Disney deal with Fox was sort of a key key turning point. And as you say, Apollo also looking to exit the company. And I mean, certainly when the company merged on the block back at MIPTV in, in, in April, there had been rumours circulating before that that, that Endemol Shine Group was going to be up for sale. And there was a lot of interest initially companies sort of coming out of the woodwork, ITV, Badajoz Group, backed by Vivendi, uh, we had all three media with, with Liberty Global. All these companies certainly took a look at it and it was, I think until recently, thought that the company would sell to, to one of those parties. The fact that the company hasn't sold also happens in the week that Big Brother has come to an end in the UK after 19 years. Does the fact that the company didn't sell and that a flagship show its big reality series that everyone knows it for has has come to an end at the same time does that signify that what Endemol Shine stands for and what those big reality shows represent is is no longer really what the market requires. There's always been an argument from some people in the business that such a big company as Endemol Shine can't come up with really creative ideas because it relies too much on its sort of stalwarts. As you say, it's got MasterChef, it's got Big Brother, and it's been known around the world for for those shows. Big Brother ending in the UK, I think. I mean, it is a it's a watershed moment certainly for the UK market, but whether or not it says something more about the, the sort of the success, success of the format is a little bit less clear. It's still selling around the world. It's in numerous countries. It's in the States still. And there are also new formats coming out of the company. I mean, Altogether Now is one of Animal Shine Group's sort of newer formats, and it's doing very well. So I think there is an argument to be said that actually there is still potential around the world for some of these formats. And it's also worth noting that some of the newer players, some of the newer buyers, such as Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, they're all moving into some of these veteran formats as well. So we've got Facebook reviving the old MTV format, Real World. Amazon's moving into Eco Challenge with Mark Burnett. And there's Netflix and, and Queer Eye. So on the one hand, you've got these very sort of veteran formats that, that some people think might be over the hill. But you've got these newer players looking at these formats and thinking, actually, these are a great way to, to sort of attract a new, uh, a new viewer to their, to their service. So still tremendous value in that IP. What's the future now for for Endemol Shine? There was talk also if a deal didn't happen that the business might be broken up and uh, bits of it sold off. What are you hearing? 
I think, well, what I'm hearing on that front is that it's it's less likely to be broken up. I think Banerjee was sort of reportedly looking at, at taking parts of it, but the, the, the value of Endemol Shine Group, I think, probably is in its entirety. You want to take the whole lot if you're going to do a deal. The problem obviously still stands that it has a lot of debt. So at the moment, the company will be rolled into Disney. So Fox's stake will be taken as part of Disney's wider deal for, for all those entertainment assets owned by Fox, and Apollo will hang on to its 50% at stake as well. I mean, what happens to that? Apollo stake is again a bit unclear at the moment but one would assume that Endemol Shine Group obviously has a huge sales arm Endemol Shine International and and what will happen to that when it merges with with Disney one would assume would be uh, cost efficiencies and and that means probably job cuts but again I mean it is unclear at this stage quite how all of these giant companies will be uh, integrated into into one entity. Okay, well, thanks very much, Richard. There's plenty more on that story and hundreds of others that we've been publishing on C21 Media this week. So visit the site for more on those. Now, Gigantes, or Giants, was one of a dozen shows commissioned by Telefonica last year as the Spanish telecoms giant pledged 70 million euros to original series designed to bolster its movie star plus pay TV service in the face of mounting competition from overseas streamers like Netflix and Amazon arriving on its turf. Directed by Enrique Obitsu, the six-part drama debuted last month and is distributed internationally by About Premium Content. I sat down with showrunner Miguel Barros and star Isaac Ferriers at MIPCOM in Cannes to hear more about the series. You can watch the full C21 TV video interview on our site, but in the meantime, here's an extract for you. The difference between you and us is that you don't have limit. Y toda tu familia sois un pecado, una enfermedad. Maldita sea tu sangre, Abraham The show is about a Spanish family, um, one father, three sons, three children, uh, all male, all ambitious, all cruel, and all after the the small empire that the father has, which is uh, based on drugs. Uh, in the center of Madrid, in a, in a very like traditional neighborhood in Madrid, although their, their influence covers Spain and probably even uh, um, some parts of Europe and, and, and Africa, but uh, it's, it's a story about ambition and, and the fight among the family for the power. I was shooting another movie in, on, in Berlin and then I received the call that Enrique Ruizu was looking for a main character and I just jumped in because Enrique is, is a really good director, really good. For me, he's, a, he's, a, he's the, the boss because he knows a lot about the history of movie. He, he really moves the camera and tells the story uh, moving the camera and he worked with actors like like a master. He, he's so precise on the tips that he's giving to you. And it was a gift for me to play the, the elder brother of the family. No quede ninguno. Quieres ser como tú. Por mí muerto que no voy a dejar que se parezca a ti. Ahora me toca comer a mí. The basic idea is not it's not new. It's like a King Lear. Uh, or the Godfather, if you want. I mean, uh, is the the fight uh, among family members for the power, and how that destroys the family itself. Uh, 
but it's the first time I think that we've done it with a show in different worlds in Spain that is not shown in, in TV or in film often, which is the gypsy world, which is a, a very important part of the Spanish population and they are very important in the, in the big cities. Also on C21 TV this week, Rick Oaken and Tom Flasher, stars of new big-budget Sky Germany drama Das Boat, describe what it was like filming on a genuine World War II submarine. The eight-part series, produced by Bavaria Fiction and distributor Sonar Entertainment, delves deeper into the world of the German U-boat, first explored in Lothar Gunther Buchheim's 1973 novel and the classic 1981 Wolfgang Peterson movie. The show debuts later this month, but visit c21media.com net now for a preview and the full video interview with Ocon and Vlasia. Here's an extract from that. This boat is new. We will test this boat is an iconic uh, brand and um, I'm always surprised when I when I travel how many people in other countries uh, know the movie and this, it's, it's one of the one of the standout uh, German productions what we did with the series is we didn't aim to do a remake or but it's more a reinterpretation of the original books and um, the story is set out in a much uh, wider scope so it's not just a story that takes place on a submarine but it also uh, ties in um, all the surroundings what was going on at that time during World War II um, so that's why my character basically is mainly on land dealing with the French resistance I'm playing the captain of the U-boat, Klaus Hoffmann he's a very ambivalent character He's torn between to do his duty and um, to do what's best for his crew, to bring them home safe. And he's also dealing with a lot of pressure uh, from himself and also from the crew because they think he's not the right one. And he has um, a father who was a CEO in the Great War, so he's dealing with a lot of pressure from that. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Well, yeah, it, it was tough mentally and physically because it was very claustrophobic. We always bumped our heads against some pipes or, or some wheels. But it was also very, very special for me and very fascinating to, to be in this kind of boat and everything felt so real sometimes. It's definitely a big responsibility uh, dealing with um, such an iconic uh, brand. Um, but the good thing is when, as an actor, when you read the scripts, when you get the scripts, you focus on your character and if the writing is good, and uh, which in our case it is, like all the characters, as, as Rick mentioned, are very ambivalent and they have um, different sides to them. So it's a, um, I wasn't worried at any point that we might be compared uh, to the original movie necessarily because we're telling the story in a totally different way. I spent hours admiring the technical drawings of these machines, but they never drew in the men. Rick Ocon and Tom Vlasher from Das Boat, coming up on Sky in Europe on November the 23rd.
Finally, there's less than three weeks to go now before Content London 2018. C21's must-attend annual gathering of the global TV industry. Over 200 speakers are set to take part over four days, starting off with a three-day international drama summit on November the 27th and finishing up with the Unscripted Entertainment Forum and Kids Content Futures on Friday, November the 30th. Headline speakers announced so far include Netflix International Originals Chief Eric Barmack, Amazon Studio European boss Georgia Brown, YouTube head of drama John Wax, actress Natalie Dormer, writer Nick Hornby, director Stephen Frears and many, many more. Now in its sixth year, Content London 2018 promises to be bigger and better, spread across two sites this time. The King's Place Conference Centre in the heart of central London and only a five minute walk away or just three by the rickshaws that we're laying on, the glorious St Pancras Renaissance Hotel. If you haven't booked your place already, there's still time, but hurry, the final set of discounted tickets are about to sell out. We're expecting 2,000 of the international TV businesses great and good to attend. To make sure that you're among them, visit c21media.net now. The finalists have been announced for the prestigious C21 Drama Awards taking place on Wednesday, November the 28th. Among those jostling for the gongs include Hugh Grant, Jason Bateman and Lars Mikkelsen for Best Male Performance, Amy Adams, Claire Foy and Sandra Oh for Best Female, and Killing Eve, Sharp Objects and the End of the F-ing World in Best English Language Drama Category. There are plenty more, so visit c21media.net to see if you agree with the judges' choices of the shortlist. And of course, stay tuned for the announcement of the winners on November the 28th. That's all we have time for in this week's episode of the C21 podcast. Thanks to Isaac Ferris, Miguel Barros, Rick Ocon and Tom Vlascher, as well as our own Richard Milton. Remember, you can stay up to date with all the latest industry developments by following C21 online, on Twitter and on mobile. Thanks for listening. <laughs>